Hi, everybody. I'm Aaron Cohen, the host of Healing America, the Gut of the Matter. You're about to hear my co-host and Terrain Health co-founder, the gut guru, Dr. Robin Rose, talk with considerable passion about the state of our country's health, and she's got a lot to say. Robin and I are recording on an app using our phones and AirPods, so we apologize for the sound quality. I'm a major podcastophile, so it pains me to launch without music and editing, but we've decided to emphasize short, speedy podcasts during the pandemic and just crank them out. We'd love to hear what you think at Go Terrain Health on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. That's Go Terrain Health. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe to Healing America, the gut of the matter. Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Cohen, and I'm with Dr. Robin Rose. Hi, everyone. How are you? Um, uh, This is our first podcast. We're very excited. Uh, Robin and I are the co-founders of Terrain Health, which we'll talk about probably towards the end of this episode. Um, But today, Robin, let us, it is April 27th, and um, we are rapidly approaching a million cases in the U.S. of of COVID-19, and I know we're going to get into some really interesting new data about the disease uh, in this episode. So do you want to walk people through kind of the things that are on our mind today as we get set to go through our first study together with everyone sure. in the audience? Sure, no problem. I, you know, first of all, I just wanted to thank like all of our first responders, doctors, nurses, techs on the front lines doing their job every day. I don't know what we do without them. So I just want to send my love out to them. Right, Ar? Don't you feel the same way? It's amazing what they're doing. Unbelievable. It is miraculous. Uh, You know, and it just, it continues to be just incredibly difficult for them. I think just because the death rate has been declining around where we live in the tri-state, on a daily basis doesn't mean that these guys aren't getting call after call after call yeah. still to go to the hospital. So yeah. and the death uh, rate, the death rates climbed over 52,000 at this point in the United States. So, you know, and it's still climbing, you know, maybe not as rapidly, but it's still climbing. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, so Robin, what you and I want to talk about is, is a very challenging word in the English language, I think a loaded word that we're going to get into some deep detail on, which is the word obesity. Um, It's a complicated word for reason, for cultural reasons, um, for economic reasons. It it is a loaded word, but it's a word that has actually uh, become more important as we've begun to understand what's happening with Um, the disease process associated with COVID-19. So a study came out last week in the Journal of American Medical Association, JAMA, a very prestigious journal. Um, It it did 50, they studied 5,700 patients who were hospitalized in in the New York area. And it revealed that there was a 21% mortality rate among Mm -hmm. just the 2,634 patients whose outcomes were known at the end, meaning they'd been released or they had died. So Robert, you um, really found this study important. Say why. I did. So basically, I really liked the study because it reflected the diversity of, of what a city population 
bring to the table. It was a very large representative sample of, you know, like I said, very diverse patients ranging in age from under a year old to up to 107 years old from all walks of life and socioeconomic levels. The study happened to have been conducted through Northwell Health System, which is a very known well known um, health system in the New York metropolitan area. And they took data from 12 of their participating New York City area hospitals with locations including Long Island, Manhattan, Staten Island, and Queens, to name a few of those places. It was the largest study um, to date of hospitalized patients with COVID-19 in the United States. And basically they confirmed that other than being older and being of male sex, of being of you know the male gender, the highest risk groups were also those with pre-existing conditions such as hypertension, diabetes, or obesity. Of the 5,700 patients, 50, 57% had obesity. I'm sorry, 57% had hypertension, 41% had obesity, and 34% had diabetes. Um, and um, they also showed, like others, you know, case series have showed that male, that obviously male sex and increasing age were also associated with a higher risk of death. And of the patients receiving mechanical ventilation and whose outcomes were known, whether, you know, meaning they were, they were discharged or they passed away, 81% of those patients died. And when they stratified that by age, the mortality rates were actually unbelievable uh, for ventilated patients for aged 18 to 65 years old, it was 76.4% and a little over 97% for those older than 65 years old. So you just threw a lot of data at our audience and hopefully they're still with us and they can also hear that you're getting text messages. So feel free. I know I put it, I put it on, uh, I put, it's so funny. I'm sorry, everyone, just bear with us. This is our first time. I put it, I put the phone on, um, do not disturb. So I don't understand. I just, I'm very bad at technology, everyone. As you'll, as our our audience will learn over time, you are a exceptional physician. You are an exceptional (laughs) physician, less good with tech. Not, 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 not so I good had the girl, I had done. the girls put it on do not disturb. I don't know why. I don't understand. Robin is, so of I course, apologize. Everybody. Robin is in quarantine. <laughs> so she's talking about her teenage daughter. She would think they yeah. would be able to help her out. Um, yeah. Let's talk about all the data you just threw at people. So first of all, first of all, three out of four people who were just between the ages of 18 and 65 who went on ventilation in this study died. That's right. Uh, and if you went on ventilation, if you were over the age of 65, you almost certainly died. It was 97%. Yeah, correct. Right? So, so, yeah. so just, we knew, we know mechanical ventilation is a problem and we know that there was an incredible effort to get as many ventilators as possible. But the reality is these ventilators have not been very effective uh, at, at, at preventing mortality. Um, um, so, so that's one thing. And then the second thing you mentioned yeah. Then the, yeah. the, the, the second thing you mentioned is that um, that out of these 5,700 patients, we see a lot of comorbidity in, in, the, in, the, in this initial population. So uh, it, it feels like the first rush of patients with COVID-19 really had pre-existing conditions, a, a huge number of them. Right. Um, but people don't realize, like, for example, obesity 
exists on its own. It doesn't mean you have to have diabetes or hypertension as, as is the converse for them too. Like just because you're diabetic doesn't mean you have hypertension just because you have hypertension doesn't mean you have diabetes. So they can all commingle or they can, I mean, not, or not commingle because it's very intermingle or they can exist on their own as their own, um, as their own pre-existing condition. And, you know, more like close to half of the population is considered obese. And that's, you know, people think of obesity as, oh, you weigh 300 pounds or 400 pounds or 500 pounds. It does not. My, you know, you, we'll talk about you as an example, my husband have BMIs of 30 or a little more. And that is considered, that is the definition of obesity. So these are people, and when you, you know, we'll get into some other studies by NYU, but that's what they defined as the people coming in the hospital. These people, they're not talking about people that BMI is over 50. I mean, they are, but they were qualifying them as 30 to 35 or even 35 BMIs, which is not even, it's like half the people walking around that, you know, Okay, it's unbelievable. So Robin is incredibly passionate about this. So I think Robin, can we skip down to this NYU study and stay on the obesity theme? Um, yeah, but I thought it, I thought it was interesting though, Aaron, just to mention, sure. because you, we, you did think that this was interesting. There was a few things I just want to, to say that, the people that didn't even require mechanical ventilation, right? And whose outcomes were known, discharge or death, nine, almost 20% of those patients between 18 and 65 years old died. <laughs> and about 26% of those older than 65 died. So, and no patients under the age of 18 died. So that to me is also a very large number. And right? those, those like I assume, 20% of those, those I assume, Robin, are people that are so sick when they get to the hospital, they can't survive. They, they don't even have time to. Probably. I mean, they just, right. May, they didn't even, right. Probably. Or they just decompensated like very fast. Abruptly. They might've been re in recovery um, in a non-ICU right. bed and suddenly right. deteriorated over the course of a day or something or, or less. L likely, likely. Right. Or they just, Yeah. And then the other thing that I real this is what, what I thought was a major highlight of the study as well, is that for both the patients that were discharged alive or those that did pass away, the percentage of patients who were actually treated in the ICU or received invasive mechanical, mechanical ventilation was higher, was increased for the age 18 to 65 age group compared with the older 65 years and up. So when the study ended even, you know, when I looked at the data, Aaron, still 490 patients were in the ICU who were between the ages of 18 and 65, and 449 of those were still vented. And four, and only 413 patients were age 65 and greater. And they, of that, 378 were vented. So, you know, so to me, that's also a very impressive statistic. Very interesting. So very look, interesting. I think the, the, the reason you want to talk about this, and there's a lot of ways we can parse this data. We know that a lot of people died in their apartments in New York City and never even were diagnosed with COVID. Right. And that's Correct. a lot of elderly people. Yeah. To be absolutely yeah. clear, the, the, this data is far from conclusive about the overall behavior of the coronavirus in America. But for you and for me, we're really struck by how many of the patients are under 65. And, and I think this is the mm -hmm. key point we want to make, particularly in conjunction with NYU's study. So can we transition to this? Correct. It, so the reason yes, this episode is to. about obesity 
is because there seems to be a very direct correlation between uh, obesity and this population between 18 and 65, particularly. That's 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 very correct. Yes, that's very important to make. A so let's let's yes, let's absolutely. talk about NYU's study, and we can just start by saying. So yeah, four thousand patients were in this study just between March first. Well, and there April 2nd. Is, there was right there was that's right there was two studies. Both of the studies are really highlighting this um, obesity link to severe COVID nineteen patients in 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 those under sixty years old. Okay, let's make that clear. And so the first state, the first um, study was did show four thousand, did look at four thousand patients from NYU during that four week period, and it basically what the main thing, what the main point was that came out of the study was it identified obesity as a prominent risk factor for severe illness from COVID nineteen. Now the second study, okay, found they looked at about a little over thirty six hundred individuals who had tested positive for the virus. And they found that in their series that about 21%, 775 patients had a BMI of 30 to 34 and 595, 16% had a BMI of at least 35. These are still, I'm not even talking about severe obesity, like over 40, right? So that's pretty impressive. And obesity was not, was not a predictor of admission to the hospital or the ICU in patients over 60. It was though for those under 60. So, you know, that's really so, so again, impressive. To let's me. see if I can yeah. translate for everyone. Yeah. If you were yeah. under 60 yeah. and you went to NYU and you, yeah. you had a BMI over 30, and to be clear, I have a BMI of 30. I'm 210 pounds, I'm 5'9". Yeah. I don't think anyone yeah. would dis- describe me as obese. Although yeah. I don't think anyone would say I'm skinny either, Robin, in fairness, right? right? right. Um, but uh, um, to be clear, those patients, if they were under 60, were twice as likely to be admitted than the patients who were not, correct? Yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to get into, right? The fact that it at least doubles your risk of hospital admission. So the, B, the patients with the BMI of 30 to 34 were twice as likely, just as you said, to be admitted to the hospital or to receive critical care. And then those patients under 60 with a BMI less, that, you know, compared to those patients under 60 with a BMI less than 30. But the patients under 60 with a BMI of at least 35, they were actually a little, they had a little bit more higher likelihood than two times of being admitted to acute care and over three, about 3.6 times to receive critical care. So as your BMI increases, so does the risk of receiving acute and critical care for pa- as well. For patients under 60. So the, the point we're trying yeah, to make here, correct. the point we're trying to make here yeah. is, you know, as you get set to go out into the world again, as we reopen the economy over the next, let's say, several months, it, the, the people who have extra pounds on them, which include me, <laughs> um, Well, and I'll explain why. Yeah, yeah, are are at least potentially, according to these initial studies out of very, very good New York City institutions, um, Mm -hmm. more at risk. Very big academic institutions. More at risk for getting Mm -hmm. serious disease uh, from COVID. So they are. It's not a joke. It's basically the 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 main highlight is that people under six years old 
that that by you having obesity, this is a newly identified epidemiologic risk factor that contributes to increased morbidity rates associated with COVID-19 as we experience it in the United States. That is the main, that is the main take-home message from these studies, from this study, from the New York, from the NYU studies that honed in on the obesity link. So what does that mean practically, yeah. Robin? I mean, like now you're, you, so, you, you saw patients today. You saw patients yeah. last yeah. Thursday. So if, right. So I would say more than half my patients that I saw over the last week have a BMI more than 30. And, you know, and not all of them have, you know, some of them also might have hypertension. Some of them just have irritable bowel syndrome or GERD. And, you know, just most people are able to get away with walking around with this BMI between 30 and 35. And, or they just haven't been, you know, diagnosed or worked up to the point where you can find it sort of like it's brewing in them, but it hasn't come out, right? That's part of, we'll get into that's part of what we do at Terrain Health. Like we want to catch it upstream, right? Before the actual disease or the pathology manifests. Um, when you have, when you have obesity, when you have, when you, when you even, even a little bit of visceral fat, um, Aaron, a little bit, a little bit of that tummy that you have, right? That central obesity that most Americans do have, it's, it, there is an impaired immune response and there is this low grade chronic inflammation that exists in your body because of having that. So that's a, so that's a really, that sets you up, you know, for, you know, issues like we're seeing here with COVID-19, because you could probably have a little bit of this impaired immune response because of this chronic low-grade inflammation. And the other thing that you really should realize is when you are obese or not, you know, what we think of, you know, like I said, like even just having a little bit of extra weight and having this BMI of 30 or more, your, your lungs are more constricted just based on having the extra weight. And what, what happens there is that that leads to alterations in how your lungs ventilate. And also that leads to restrictive movement of your diaphragm affecting like how well you breathe. So then you put a respiratory illness on top of that. And, you know, you're, you can be fairly compromised. So, you know, this is, this is really where we're going with all this. And so that's why our, yeah. This is a super to have. It's a hard conversation to have because the word obesity or even mm -hmm. overweight has a lot of body sort of cultural right. issues like, associated with correct. it. Correct. Like body shaming or the, right. And, and, you know, I've had discussions with my own family and my kids and it's not about, it's not a physical phenomenon. It's not about like looking like a model or secret. This is about your health. This is about like leading a healthy life and living long productive years. That's what this is about. Right. And now what this, what the, like, listen, we knew this, like I said this to you before it got here, that, that the United States before it really became of epidemic proportions in the United States among, amid this pandemic that we're having worldwide. I said to you, Aaron, I know you remember, I said, we are going to experience high death rates. Because I know that we're a sick nation. We are a sick country. And even people that think they're healthy, they're not really as healthy as they think. Right? 
So, and there's study after study that shows this. I mean, even women, even women with like a little bit of extra visceral fat, they wouldn't even seem like they're, you know, overweight. I've looked, you know, I've read all these studies, like because of that little bit of visceral fat and that chronic inflammation, they have an increased risk of breast cancer. They have an increased risk of colon cancer. You know, they've done studies in men as well. I mean, it's really, it's fascinating. And people just don't know about this or understand it, or maybe they just don't want to know, right? It's just easier to just go by life and get by, get by easy. This is, it's hard work to well, live a, it, live a cleaner, cleaner lifestyle. It, and It, it is hard work, you know? for, for, particularly for someone who's been trying to eat well all day today and just, and is thinking about how his family might get <laughs> pizza tonight <laughs> and knows right. he shouldn't have it, right? Like, I right. mean, I think, I think it is challenging and I think it's really important um, for everyone to recognize that what we're talking about here is a chronic problem in America of obesity. Robin, we should get into the Harvard study from their public health yeah. school about okay, the yeah. stunning numbers of people yeah. that uh, as we move through this decade who either are obese yeah. now or are on their way to adult obesity. Do you yeah. wanna talk a little bit well, about this data? Yeah, I mean, should I define for people what obesity is so they just really understand that there's like three classes and what right. it, you know, I, may, I, I feel like I, I people think don't you get should. the numbers as much. They, These yeah. definitions come from the CDC. They come from the CDC and they're related to BMI. So Robin, why don't you take it away and tell the different kind of classes yeah. of obesity? So people that are age 20 years, this is this when they when they say an adult patient, they're talking about 20 years or older. And people that have a body mass index, a BMI of 30 or greater, are classified as obese, okay? People that have a body mass index of 25 to 29.9 are overweight, so they're on their way to obesity. And that's, wow, like a really large proportion of the country. So obesity is, a, is basically divided into three categories. Adults with a BMI of 30 to 34.9 are class one. Class two is defined as a BMI of 35 to 39.9. And class three is BMI of 40 or greater. And those are also referred to as people that have extreme or severe obesity. And the National Center for Health Statistics has shown that over the past few decades, the prevalence of obesity just <laughs> continues to rise steadily in the United States. And Aaron, the study you were referring to, you know, from the uh, School of Public Health out of Harvard, Really fascinating data um, estimates that about 40% of Americans are considered obese, you know, or actually it's even more 45% at this point, and 18% are considered severely obese, right, as of last year. So, and so this is last obesity, year, one out of five yeah. people are considered severely obese in America, one out of five, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. nearly half are considered yeah. obese. So that means, That's as correct. Robin said earlier, you look around, depending on where you live, Every other person, every third person, or every person is is mm -hmm. considered obese, right? Yep. So their projections say that basically, you know, they qualified they 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 qualified obesity, severe obesity, as a BMI of thirty five in their study, and they say that that but that about fifty percent of the population will be obese. Um, and 25% will be considered severely obese by the year 2030. So in 10 years from now, three quarters of the U.S. population will be considered obese. Unbelievable. So don't, don't we, are we sure those don't overlap? Could no. Be both, okay. So literally only 
25% of the country. Like what they're saying is 30 to 35 is 50% and then 35 or more is severely obese. That's how they defined it. Okay. Okay. So that's a pretty Mm -hmm. stunning number. And I think Robin, people would be surprised to find out that the highest proportion of adults in America who are in this clinical definition of obesity uh, are really between the ages of 40 and 59. 40% of Americans between the ages of 40 and 59 are considered clinically obese. And that compares quite differently to 20 to 39 year olds who were 30% in that category. But people over 60 are able to either keep their weight down or they die. It's one of those two Mm -hmm. things, is it not? Because it's only 35% of that population. And let's face it, how many 80 year old heavy people do you see walking around? Right. It's, it's not a lot. It's right. pretty not unusual. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's pretty unusual. So, again, we 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 are kicking off our um, the Terrain Health podcast, which is called Healing America. We're kicking off with a hard subject. And I got to tell you, for me personally, it's particularly mm-hmm. difficult because a, I've struggled with this. Um, I don't know. Most of my adult life or certainly since I got married, so, you know, certainly 25 years and um, and both my parents were obese and, and both have died. So it, it, it's a heavy personal thing. And I think we have to figure out a way to decouple it from talking about um, physical beauty because yeah. it, it, it diminishes our ability to have a conversation about it from a health vantage point. And if people wanna live long and happy and fulfilling lives, they have to understand that like smoking kills you or drinking too much kills you, that the reality is that being heavier does kill people. And mm-hmm. what, what Dr. David Katz at Yale, um, at the Yale Public School of Health, who was on Bill Maher just recently, says we have this incredibly chronic problem, Robin, which is what motivated you to want to start Terrain Health, which is people don't eat well in this country and it's and mm-hmm. it's killing them and as david Katz says this chronic problem is becoming more of an acute problem because of covid-19 well we we've developed it i mean the standard american diet is is the worst diet you could possibly think of and then on top of that we've exported it to most of the world um and that's why we see you know a lot of these diseases too in both underdeveloped and developed countries that we've exported our diet to because they're now feeling the ramifications of what we've developed here in this country. So it's, 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 it's really upsetting. And as a physician, I just have had it. I, I can't, I can't just have a one size fits all model anymore. We have to individualize treatment. Everyone's their own person. Genetics are different and we have to start practicing precision health so that we can help people get through this epidemic of chronic disease and get people healthier. So, so um, the reason, so obviously we wanted obesity became the first subject for us on mm-hmm. Healing America, um, mm-hmm. primarily because of these studies that came out last week. But mm-hmm. we certainly were going to talk it, and that's because you're the gut guru, Dr. Robin Rose. Yeah, and you like to talk about yeah. people's gut. Why is that? Important? I do well because the gut. Okay, so Aaron, the gut, unbelievably. So is the guardian to our health, but also the gateway to, to, to disease, okay? And if you took the gut lining, okay, and you unraveled it and opened it up, 
It is this. Uh, it is a square footage of two full tennis courts. So it is very vulnerable to what we are exposing ourselves. And it's the first thing our bodies are exposed to, right? Because we eat every day. We breathe, you know, we breathe in, things get into our esophagus that we, you know, we're exposed to it every day and it gets into our stomach and then our intestines and our intestines and so on and so forth. And that lining is critical to our health because if that lining is disrupted, okay, and the gut microbiome and all the other things that go along with it are not optimal and not healthy and doing their job right, then we will get disease. So meaning like when those, that, that, that mucosal lining becomes disrupted and it, and it's vulnerable, like I just said, these little junctions that usually keep it nice and tight. So nothing can get through that lining and pass through the little, these little breaks start to happen. And when that happens, like little vi you know, viruses, bacteria, toxins, things like that get, get through and then they get to the other side right and then our 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 body see like it gets into the bloodstream and then our immune system sees that and that's when things you know go awry a little bit um and so, what, and and depending so Robin, what I, you're yeah robin yeah robin, yeah i gotta interrupt you yeah why can't you just give me a so let's say i have some yeah. of these problems that you just yeah. talked about yeah can't you just give me a pill to make it go away you're not really ever making it go away though. You're just masking the problem. So, so you know, so what should like, I do differently? So, if a so, pill so, doesn't so do for, it, what so should people, I do? So people, so, so, okay. So like uh, in relation to like, so, so will people, so first of all, people could be born. We don't, we're, there's so much to, there's so much about the microbiome. We don't know, but people may be born when they're born, depending if they had a, they were a C-section or they were a vaginal delivery their 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 guts are colonized with different bacteria and c-section babies have been known to like not have the right amount of good flora okay and then that sets them up for different like you know disease pathologies down the road based on what their genetic makeup is right but you have the power to turn the good genes on and the bad genes off and you can rectify that through lifestyle modification through nutrition exercise stress management, mindfulness, mindset, sleeping the right amount of hours, all those things. And, you know, like, for example, like, where I think this relates to obesity, you know, there is a huge, huge association between obese people and what their gut microbiome looks like, okay, it's been very well studied, and it's, it's observed in many um, studies that overweight, obese, people, their, their microbiome, their, their fecal bacterial diversity is, is not what you want to have to have like, you know, a good makeup of your gut flora, like meaning they have like more of the unfriendly bacteria than the friendly bacteria. And those, those, those people, these people, you know, especially with market, market obesity, they have the biggest problem with this issue. And that's why there is an overall issue with like fat deposition. There's an overall issue with lipid metabolism in these patients, impaired glucose homeostasis, homeostasis, and then they have higher low-grade inflammation too. So like the more obese you are, the, the more you are likely to have these issues. And it's and I do think it like like I said, most of these is it stems from the gut. And by us optimizing the gut through these things I discuss and also through you know, in the beginning, like, like, you know, aside from nutrition, certain 
supplementation with nutrients and vitamins and amino acids and so forth can really help heal the gut, we can get people to where we want them to be um, and feel so much better. And, you know, a lot of what we're going to do also, you know, is going to be intertwined with um, genomic analysis as well, so that people can track, you know, like, or see like how they're doing and really like we have a metric, right? So that, you know, people can see, oh, I went from this point to that point and, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, what we're going to be doing is we're, we're focusing on the why, on the why, not the what of a person's condition. So we're basically departing from this one size fits all philosophy of conventional medicine. So we're treating body systems, not the actual disease to help the person's own ecosystem heal or ecosystem heal. So like I said, Terrain Health is going to use this multi-interventional approach of systems biology, epigenetics, and optimization of the gut microbiome to promote health, healing, and longevity. And we don't just see patients with chronic medical conditions. We see patients that are healthy, that want to enhance their health, or that don't want to go like down me. this road of ever, yeah, that don't that actually take a medicine for blood pressure yet, or have diabetes, or maybe they're pre-diabetes, and they don't even realize it, right? But we'll be able, with our testing and with, our, with all of our different analytics, we'll be able to pick these things up. And then based on what their genomics show, we can help them and put them, you know, you know, get, you know, steer them in the right direction to eat the right way, to exercise the right way. You know, people based on their genes, you know, you might be able to exercise one way that's better for you. And I might exercise a different way. You might be able to eat butter and I can't, you know, or vice versa. So these are all powerful tools, amazing tools that we're just not using and we need to use to get everybody better. So Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's the gut guru, Dr. Robin <laughs> Rose, Thanks. concluding our first podcast. Yeah. If you are interested in learning more about Terrain Health, please follow us on social media at all. We are always go Terrain Health. We're very active on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should subscribe to our podcast because for the moment, we don't have any subscribers. We're What's excited our podcast to get called? What's our, our podcast, podcast called? is called Healing America, Getting to the Gut of the Matter. Yeah. Not surprisingly, Dr. <sighs> Robin Rose named the podcast. <laughs> um, so listen, our practice will launch more formally in May. We are just getting going, but um, we are seeing some patients now in certain capacities. So please feel free to email us at info at terrainhealth.org. And I do want to say that the content in this podcast is for information purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any question you may have regarding a medical condition or use of any supplements or treatments reviewed. Um, Wishing everybody a really healthy week. These days, that matters. Uh, Thanks very much. Take good care. Bye.